Hey everyone, this is Dano from the Dan Otero Sonic Ensemble, and today I'm going to talk mandolin. I've been playing mandolin since about 07 or 08. Um, I wanted to be in my friend's band, and they already had like two guitarists. So I thought, well, maybe uh, I can sneak in as the mandolin player. <laughs> and to their credit, they said, yeah, come on over, Dan, bring that mandolin. So I got this first mandolin. Let me show you. Uh, this is my first student mandolin, kind of a trainer. It's a Indiana brand. Uh, we named the mandolin Indiana. <laughs> uh, it was maybe 200 bucks. So it's got um, a transducer on the inside so I can plug in with a standard uh, quarter inch jack. And I have volume and tone controls. And it's a nice little uh, mandolin. It worked great for a couple years and I was really liking it. Standard mandolin. Super cool. But I was ready for something more pretty quick and I couldn't find anything on the market that was hitting all the check boxes that I wanted to hit. So let me show you this. This is what I was able to acquire. Now, it's kind of unusual. It's a really good looking mandolin. And I had a friend of mine here in Albuquerque who makes instruments, a fellow by the name of Keith Coleman. And I was like, Keith, how about uh, we make a custom mandolin for me? And he said, yeah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> so this is a Keith Coleman model, an original custom mandolin. It's a, I call it a 4440 model. And it's actually a mandola, so it's a little bit bigger. Just like violins have a violin and a viola, mandolins have mandolin and viola, or mandola. So... Mandolas are usually strung a little bit differently than a regular mandolin. They're strung kind of like a cello is, I think, with a low C. But I didn't want to relearn all my scales again because I just learned them on the mandolin with the last one. So we strung this one like a mandolin, but it is technically and sonically and frequency-wise a mandola. So the stringing on a mandolin, if you don't know, is kind of like a bass guitar but upside down. So instead of E, A, D, G, we have E, A, D, G. So the G is the low note. And every string of a mandolin is coupled. So you get uh, two notes, a higher one and a lower one for each uh, string set. And they're doubled up. So it's like octaves. So you can end up playing kind of speedy on a mandolin, which is why you hear a lot of mandolin and bluegrass. So this mandola is beautiful, right? It's got this beautiful maple finish. And here on the back, you can see how beautiful it is on the back. I have the nice cherry wood on the wingtips here. Real classy, gorgeous F poles, uh, bone bridge. And we just went in and installed a whole new um, preamp, an Aura brand preamp. And it has a pickup on the inside. And that's where you plug it in, standard quarter inch. So on this preamp, it actually is USB. So I can plug into my computer and download patches and get quick access to six different sounds that I can edit on the computer. Really, I hardly use it anymore. I just have about three that I really like and pretty much stay in there and do all of my sound switching with a foot pedal. But it has the switch between the six patches. It has the volume right there. It has a three band equalizer and then I can bleed between the patch and the clean sound. And the best part for me is it has an onboard tuner. This little LED lights up and you can do your tuning of your mandolin, which is always needed because there's so many strings that need to be tuned. 
So this is a gorgeous instrument. It's absolutely beautiful, one of a kind. And you've seen it in some of the videos. I'll throw a link and you can check out uh, me rocking with the band with uh, this 4440. So all of this leads up to something really exciting. Let me tell you. I'm headed over to Keith's wood shop now. He is doing some restoration work on a classic mandolin that's been in my family for over a hundred years. It turns out my grandfather, Maximiliano Vigil, uh, played mandolin and just never told anyone or maybe he stopped playing before any of my aunts or parents were born. So no one knew about it, but my aunt, my mom's youngest sister, suddenly showed up with this mandolin that needed a lot of work. So I went to Keith and was like, can we do anything about this? And he said, I'd sure like to give it a try, Dan. And, you know, that's my guy. That's, that's why we're, we're friends. So it is done. So I'm about to head out the door, hop in the truck, and let's go see the new classic 100-year-old mandolin. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. Ah! All right, I've arrived at Keith's house. About to go see this new, restored, 100-plus-year-old mandolin that my grandfather played in, like, 1916. Oh, my goodness. This is the moment I've been waiting for for about six months. Let's go take a look. So here we are in Keith's shop. This is my good friend Keith Coleman, and he has been working on restoring this old instrument. So I brought it, Keith, I brought it to you about eight months ago, yeah. around Thanksgiving maybe? Around Thanksgiving, you brought me a shocking pile of heartache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, I'll put up some photos of the before, but to summarize, there was like a, it almost looked like a paint stirring stick on the back here. Yeah. Someone tried to mend it, it was cracked in half. Uh, I believe the neck was pulled off because it, it was, was stored um, in an environment where the strings just pulled it apart. Right. Uh, stored under tension, yeah. with no moisture, uh, just everything you can do wrong, uh, <laughs> sadly enough, happened to it. And so what was your first, once you kind of got your head around it, what was your first step to restoring? Well, it was actually taking everything apart. I looked at it, I studied it, I thought, what can I do? Well, I could pull the neck back and eh, maybe I could kind of, no, I don't think I can. So it was a matter of actually disassembling about 80% of it. Yeah. Had to take all the front off, had to take all the back off, had to take the neck off. Uh, eventually I went up having to take the fretboard off, it, uh, get inside and repair uh, braces that had come loose and had broken and cracked and it was just uh, <laughs> it was in pieces it was in pieces it really was and when you brought it I said boy I hope I can do something with it after you left I stood and looked at it and thought I think maybe I should have just kept my mouth shut <laughs> but I wanted to be able to try to get it back together for you since it is such an important piece in your family but it mattered of taking the back and the front apart. I had to heat wet them. I had to press them flat. I had to get them brought together. I had to put gauze all on the inside just to help stabilize the structure because the top and the bottom are incredibly thin. And that felt like you were handling a piece of cracker. Yeah. When you, you know, the wood was just like every fiber was trying to give up. It had 
wow. surrendered yeah. you know, to the world. And I didn't want to change the top. I didn't want to change the back. I didn't want to change hardly anything because that is this instrument. Yeah. We had a gear missing on a tuner. I had to get one of those made up. The frets were shot. The, as I said, the fretboard was cracked. The top was in two pieces, the back in two. But it was just a matter of take everything apart, get everything cleaned up, and then try to start putting it back together and hope you can move forward. And one thing you mentioned just a few minutes ago was that it felt like you weren't quite in charge of this project. Oh, like exactly. the mandolin was sort of leading the way. It was in charge. I was not. The ones that I have built, I've been in charge and told the wood where to go and what to do. But this one, it told me. It said, now you got to put me back together. But <laughs> once you do, then you're going to be putting this and that neck is not quite going to cooperate and you're going to have to do this and that. And she was in charge. And this, uh, what is this? It's like a molding. What is this called? Yeah, it's they call it binding. The binding. What is really cool is this is the old acetate. That's the arcelluloid. That's the stuff they made in the early 1900s into a material like this. They made old movie films out of it. Wow. It's incredibly uh, explosive <laughs> if you get it hot. <laughs> okay. Celluloid really burns, but you could smell it when you scraped it to put it back in. You could get that celluloid smell. But that was original. I had to take it off. I had to clean it up, of course, to get the two pieces to fit. And trying to get everybody to come back together was a little bit of a trick because there's been migration of materials and loss of materials. And you can't just go and put a new piece back in. You have to try to bring back together what was there. Yeah. You had a great photo of like a number of clamps around there and then rubber bands going every yeah. which way. Yeah, because that was having to pull everybody down. You have to have a thousand fingers on there. Uh -huh. And all those clamps and rubber bands were the ones that actually brought it back together. I wasn't going to be able to because you start pushing on here and this would pop up. Yeah. You know, or you boing. <laughs> but it worked because it had just enough hearts you could push the pressure against the center and then uh -huh. pull downs on the sides. Yeah. And with all the clamps and everybody, it, it brought her back together. It was exciting to see the body come together before the neck was even on. Because the neck was, you know, that was a later mm -hmm. issue. You had to get that body back in one piece. Yeah. And then get that neck set back in there and then put the fretboard on. So it's like building one from scratch. Yeah. Except that I never took the main ribs out. I wanted them to stay intact. I just fixed the ones that were cracked. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do as little as I had to do to change anything. Now, we talked about that. You get to a point where if you change too much, yeah. then it's not the same creature. It's got the original nut. It's got the original saddle. The, well, the strings and the frets and one little gear are the only things changed. Yeah. Everything else... Well, I did have to put a piece of wood in the back to, it was kind of like a, a front binding on the back, a little piece of maple because there just, there wasn't as much there as I needed. Mm -hmm. But that was an addition, but otherwise the same binding, same tuners, same uh, saddle, same nut, everything yeah. that was, all, and tailpiece, they change a few screws, but on the original old girl so that it just, when you hold that, you're still holding your grandfather's instrument. Yeah, and the neck. 
at least to my feel, to my hand, it feels very small, oh, very it's tiny. narrow. Yeah, it's incredibly tiny, but you play it well. And just to think of my grandfather's hands a hundred years ago, exactly. like wearing wearing it in. Exactly. When you play an instrument, you wear on the and instrument. And it is worn in because on both sides of the fretboard up here, it's worn in from yeah. where he held that and gripped on it and played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if if the nut is you know showroom floor original or if it had been changed it's a wood nut mm -hmm. and it was nailed or staked in but i do know that that fretboard on both sides has a lot of wear that he put in there yeah from hours and hours of playing yeah just a lot of playing and it yeah. feels narrower there it, it feels does. like the hand is just was sits in there it feels like right and i looked at it and i thought well i guess i could wood putty that a little bit and maybe make it go away but again it was changing things yeah. too much I didn't want to change any shape. I didn't want to change any profile. I didn't want to change anything. I just wanted to get it back together and get it in a little bit more even finish. Yeah, and it came out fantastic. This is amazing, my friend. Thank well, you. I'm, I'm so happy for you, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that you like it and that you can play it so well. I tried and I couldn't because it's so small. So narrow, huh? Yeah, it is. But you're just a much better player with this kind of instrument anyway. So look at that. He's making songs. Hanging out with Keith and restoring my grandpa's mandolin. There you go. It started out, out broken and now it's strung back up to win. Yeah. <laughs> We've got from 8 to 28 oh, okay. on the strings. It was originally 8 to 30. Got the old... The old strings still ah. sitting here in a little little pile. Yeah. I don't know if you want them. Yeah, heck yeah. to have. But uh, 8 to 28 worked out well. So that so little bit lighter. A little bit lighter, so okay. it's not too much stress on it. And, uh, you know, there's no truss rod. There's no anything yeah. except for just a neck. And like I told you, it wants a little humidity because it'll change tuning about 50 cents but between less humidity and more humidity. It seems to like it better. Okay. So you want to give it a little bit, and especially in our climate currently. Yeah. For yes, same fretboard, same markers. I just cleaned the fretboard up a little bit because it had a lot of wear yeah. in it from, from him playing. But if it could talk. Yeah, the stories, wow. right? Yeah. The songs it could sing to us. Yeah, it could. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. My pleasure, Dan. I'm so glad it worked out. Woohoo! Uh, it tugged at my heart, and I wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it for you. And there's many times I stood and looked at it and thought, man, you're nuts. But <laughs> we just kept going, and she kept giving me a little more and a little more, and we'd get a little closer. Yeah. Then there'd be a setback, and something would go wackadoo, and you'd have to kind of rethink it and reinvent your your thoughts about how to bring it together. But... There she is. There she is. Yeah. Woohoo. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>